This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Father Brett Kroll and is from Ascension Sunday, the first of the three great feasts. My junior and senior year of high school, I jumped in track, did the high jump. I was never really that good because I couldn't get the form down, that whole bending over the bar thing. If you watch videotape of me, it looks like I'm sitting in a chair, just kind of sailing over the bar. But because of my height and I I could jump, I was able to get six feet. Did that twice. That was my record. Jumped six feet. Which means that if I tried to jump over myself, I would hit right about here. Which is one of a couple reasons why I've never tried to do that. It took first service a little while to figure that one out, too. That's all right. So it's okay. When it comes to the ascension, people sometimes have a lot of questions. Uh, Marva Don, who is a national speaker, author, and professor at Regent in uh, British Columbia, she says of Ascension, you know, of all the Christian holidays, this one is least likely to be co-opted by consumeristic secularism, okay? We lost Christmas, Easter's on the way out, but the Ascension, we're pretty safe because nobody knows what to do with it, okay? And unfortunately, that might be true in the church as well. What do we do with the Ascension? Is this just to prove that Jesus can high jump higher than the rest of us? What is going on? All right, so also, I'm thinking if I had been political advisor to Jesus at this time, I'd be saying, all right, look, Jesus, you're raised from the dead, so you can't die again. If you stick around, after a couple hundred years, people are going to figure it out. They'll be like, this guy's still alive. All right, that's something. But God did not consult me. He had other plans in mind. So Christ ascended. After 40 days being with his disciples, off and on, here and there, He ascended to his Father's right hand, and he told the disciples, stay in the city, wait until you are clothed with power from on high. So what is happening in the ascension? That's what we're going to talk about today, and why does that matter to us? Now, I want to prepare you. This sermon is a little bit more theological than most sermons around here. It's just the nature of celebrating this feast day. But if you do the work to stay engaged, uh, I do hope and believe that you will see how this has deep relevance and importance for your life. And at the end, uh, I do believe the Lord wants to minister a specific word uh, of healing uh, around connection to the Father, to God our Father. You'll see what I mean when we get there. Uh, But first, let's turn to the story get ourselves acclimated. So if you're in your bulletins, it's the Luke story, or if in your Bibles, Luke chapter 24. So Jesus is with his disciples. This is one of the many times he had appeared to them after his resurrection. This was the final time. There in verse 44, it says, this is what I was telling you all about when I was with you, that everything from the law of Moses and prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. And then in verse 45, it says, then he opened their minds understand the Scriptures. Basically, he's going through all the Hebrew Scriptures and showing how in the Torah, in the prophets, and in the Psalms, everything is pointing to him. He's the fulfillment of all those Scriptures. Wouldn't you like to have been there for that conversation, the fly on the wall? Oh, that would have been awesome. And part of me wonders, Luke, why didn't you give us just a few? Like, what did he say? Maybe perhaps he's saving us the joy of discovery, that generation after generation in the church, we get to find out, whoa, there's Jesus in the Old Testament. And he says, it was written that I should suffer, that I would rise again, and that repentance and forgiveness should be proclaimed in my name 
to all the nations. Starting right here in Jerusalem, he says. Then in verse 49, he says, Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. Don't you love that here he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and the name that he uses for the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father? I just love that. It reminds us that our God is a God who makes promises. He's a promise maker. That's what he loves to do. He doesn't have to do that. He could just do the things that he's going to do without telling us what he's up to, but instead he says, no, I want to make promises so that I can keep those promises and that you can see I am faithful. He loves to, it's how he chooses to do it. He's a promise maker. Then they leave, they go out to the Mount of Olives, to the village of Bethany, and there in verse 51 it says, while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. Luke also writes about the ascension in the book of Acts. Luke is the writer of the book of Acts, and there he adds this detail, that at this time a cloud enveloped Jesus, and the cloud hid Jesus from their sight, and then he was taken up. Now, anytime we hear about a cloud, and it's the presence of the Lord, that signals to us this is the glory of the Lord, and especially that's the Holy Spirit. And we got to love the poetic symmetry here of the story that Jesus comes to earth by the Holy Spirit, right? conceived in the Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit, who overshadows Mary. The power of on high will come upon you and overshadow you. That's how Jesus came to earth. Now he is leaving earth through the Holy Spirit, overshadowing him this time instead of Mary. Poetic symmetry. Uh, I love that. But now that he's ascended, now that he is in heaven at his Father's right hand, what is he doing? What's going on? What is the significance of this? So to explain a little further the ascension, I'm going to read from another passage of Scripture from the book of Ephesians. Here Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and these are some very beautiful and probably well-known verses. But listen now for the particular relevance of the ascension in this. Okay. So he's praying for them. He says, And I pray that God, out of His incredible riches, would show you what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe. According to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. So there he's talking about the resurrection. But then he goes on. Here's the ascension. That He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So this verse is telling us that Jesus now reigns as King, not only over the earth, but over the heavens and the highest heavens. He is King. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Beautiful Scriptures, powerful Scriptures. But then he goes on. There's more. Now in chapter 2, he says this about you and me. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, he says. And here's the ascension and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And you might be thinking, 
yeah, Brett, it doesn't feel like that. I don't feel like I'm raised up with Christ in the heavenly places. But that is what it says. You are raised with Christ in the heavenly places. Why? So beautiful. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So these verses tell us a few important things about Jesus and and about ourselves. First, yes, Jesus is king over all the universe. In the ancient world, there was a time, there was a season when all the kings would go at war. We read about this in the Old Testament, and it would say things like, now it was the springtime, the time at which kings went out to war. And this is basically what they did. They gathered up all their soldiers, they went out onto the battlefield, they fought with all the other kings, and it's kind of a winner-takes-all kind of deal. And whoever won, won the most would return to his capital city and ascend his throne now as ruler and king and conqueror over whatever lands he happened to conquer during that season of wartime. But it was not until he sat down on his throne, back in his capital city, in his palace, that he officially began his reign over now all these new territories that he had just conquered in the time of war. So Jesus comes to earth, and if you will, it is the springtime, the time when kings go to war. And first, he goes to conquer sinful human nature. He takes on our sinful human nature, and he says, I will conquer you. And he lives a perfect life. He lives the life that none of us could have lived, though tempted in every way, yet without sin. And then on the cross, he conquers every spiritual authority that might have claim over us, and that seeks to set itself up against the kingdom of God. And Paul says in Colossians, on the cross, he put to shame all the rulers and powers and authorities of the spiritual realm. So in cross, he triumphs over them. And then, of course, in the resurrection, he conquers death itself, triumphs over death. And then now in the ascension, he ascends back to his throne, and he sits down on the throne, now not only as ruler of the heavens, but ruler now also of the earth and even of the underworld. He is king of all. He says, winner take all, and that is exactly what I'm doing. I'm taking all. I am now the king, and I reign. But... In that second passage that I read from the second chapter of Ephesians, Paul talks about us. He says not only is Jesus reigning as king, exalted on the throne, but but now we are lifted up and raised with him there. So this tells us a second really important thing. Not only is Jesus king, but Jesus is also our mediator. That means we have an advocate and a representative in heaven think of that. Wherever heaven is, however you think to describe heaven, the highest heaven, there in that place, there is a human being, the man, Jesus from Nazareth, son of Mary, one of us. One of us is standing at the throne with the Father, perfected, the race run, the prize won, over and finished. You thought I was going to say done. You thought I was going to go for the rhyme there? I didn't. You know, keeping you on your toes, right? He's finished and perfected in glory. A human being. This means the glorification of humanity. This means glory for anyone now who is a human. We can say, wow, there is a human reigning up on high. His glory is our glory. And as Paul says in Romans 8, if we suffer with him, we shall be glorified with Him. 
It's kind of like when one of the kids from the neighborhood growing up, they, they make it big, and then now everybody from the hometown shares in that sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I remember Mikey when he was just a little kid stealing coins out of the jukebox. I always knew he'd make it big, right? Everybody shares that sense of, he was one of us, and now he's big time. So we're kind of big time too. It's a little bit like that. Jesus as the mediator. When we see Jesus at the Father's side, it's proof that God and man are now reconciled, which was the purpose of Jesus' mission to the earth. That's why Jesus came. And it means that the peace that he came to bring to us, peace between God and man, is now real. It worked. It happened. As Paul says, Christ was reconciling the world, meaning bringing those who were far off near to God. Christ was reconciling the world to God in himself, not counting our trespasses against us. This is kind of like when you're a kid, and your parents maybe were fighting the night before, and you're going to sleep, and you're hearing the arguing and stuff downstairs, and it, it's not a good feeling, right? It, it, it's not a good feeling. It's hard to go to sleep. But then you wake up the next day, and there you see mom and dad in the kitchen. They're talking. They're even laughing. Maybe they're getting a little bit too comfortable with each other, and you're like, okay, that's a little disturbing, but also oddly comforting. Why is that? Because as a child, when you see the strife between your parents, your world is shaken. And when you see, oh, everything is okay with mom and dad, then you know all is right with the world. Everything is right with the world. Now, just to be clear, the disunity is not between the Father and the Son. There was never any disunity between the Father and Jesus. The disunity is between God and humanity. And that's due to our rebellion the fact that we chose to go our own way, and God in His mercy said, I'm not going to let that stand in my way. I'm going to reconcile you to myself. So now, that proof that we are reconciled, that it is done, that salvation has been accomplished, is that when we look with the eyes of faith, when we look to the highest heavens, we see Christ, our mediator and advocate, at the right hand of the Father. Jesus being our mediator also means that as the Father looks on Him, so too he looks on us. The Father sees Jesus, and he sees you and I in him. Here's what, here's what that means. Here's the significance of that. You see, Jesus alone is spotless and blameless before the Father. But that gives you a picture of who you are, who you're becoming, and where you belong. So this is where this gets really relevant to our everyday lives. Anytime you feel bogged down by sin, anytime you feel bogged down by the habitual sin, the besetting sin, and you keep thinking, how many times do I need to confess this before I'm free of this? When will I reach perfection? That's when you look to Christ. And you say, there I see him spotless and blameless before the Father, and that's, that's where I'm going. That's who I'm going to be, and that's where I belong. That's what's coming to you. Someday, even as now Jesus is at the Father's right hand and is able to look up and receive from him the full delight and joy and the love of the Father, even as Jesus, even right now, is experiencing that, that also is your inheritance. That is what is coming to you. 
that love of the Father. No wonder Paul says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That joy and that delight and that love pouring forth from the Father, that is the every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places that we have in Christ. I was able to experience just a little bit of this from the father side of things this week. So the girls came to me. I've got four-and-a-half-year-old twins, and they came to me, and they said, Papa, we want to have a dance party. I said, okay. Dance party in our house means I put on some music, and then they just spin in circles for a while while I do the dishes. It's very helpful. <laughs> so they, music was playing. They were spinning. And then this song came on that was a song all about the father dancing and loving his children. The beautiful song. And I don't know what happened. I, I got caught up in the spirit of the song. And just at that time, my son Simon, who's about 21 months old, he kind of toddles around the corner. He looks up at me, and I could see he's ready to dance. So I put the dishes down. I said, all right, here we go. And I don't know what happened, but my inner Brishnikov started coming out. I'm like leaping around my son Simon and hands coming out and coming down low and then backing away and jumping over him and twirling. It was nuts. And Simon, you can picture what he looks like because apparently he looks exactly like me is what they all say. So just imagine me about this tall going like this. And of course, at the end, when I scoop down and pick him up and pull him close to my side, I told Julie later on, it felt like I was building his soul that time. And Simon knows it's good to be at the Father's side. He was happy there. It's great joy. And Jesus is now at his Father's side receiving the full blessing and love of his heavenly Father. And because Jesus belongs there, so do you. So do I. Praise God. That's gift. That's grace. We couldn't have done that on our own. You know, on the night before Jesus was crucified, when he's with his disciples, it's the Last Supper. He's giving them all of his most important thoughts and instructions and training. At one point, he says to them, I'm going to the Father. And you got to wonder, was there a little bit of eagerness and excitement in his voice? I'm, I'm going to the Father. I'm going home. In other words, I belong with the Father. I'm going where I belong. And if you believe in Jesus, if you are in Christ, that is where you belong. The opening chapter of John says, Jesus came to his own and his own received him not, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but born of God. You are in the family of God. You belong at the Father's side. That's what Jesus came to die to do for you, to bring you there. So if you believe in Jesus, you belong with the Father. And Jesus said, also in that upper room discourse, he said, oh, and these words are so beautiful. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? But as it is, there are many rooms. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. Where I am, you may also be. Where is he? 
He's at the Father's side. So where will you also be? You will be at the Father's side. There's room at the Father's side. That's what Jesus came to make for you, room at the Father's side. So when we celebrate the Feast of the Ascension, it's nothing more complicated, but it's certainly nothing less dignified and wonderful and glorious than the Father saying to you, you belong with me. Isn't that so simple? But what else could we need? What else could we, you belong with me. I made you, I love you, you belong with me. And if you don't believe in Jesus, if you're here this morning and you haven't yet fully committed to following him, then let this morning be a wide open invitation for you to come through Jesus to the Father's side, to know God's love that is unimaginable. You can't even imagine it until you've tasted it. And then once you've tasted it, you still can't even imagine it. And it is for you. If you do not believe, let today be the day of, of belief for you. Jesus died for you so that you could find your way back to the Father, back to the place where you belong. So now if you ever wonder, how is the ascension relevant to my life? Now you know. Along with Jesus coming to earth, and along with the cross and the resurrection, and along with the, the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost, and yes, along with His coming again at the end of all time, the ascension is essential for your salvation. And I hope that your salvation is relevant to you. I hope that changes your everyday life. But it's also relevant on those days, and maybe yesterday was one of these days, or maybe tomorrow will be one of those days, where you don't feel particularly spotless and blameless. You don't feel like you've got your stuff together, and you're wondering, is God still happy with me, or am I facing rejection from God my Father? And again, when you're at that place, and you say, yeah, Brett, I don't feel like I'm at the Father's side. What are you talking about? Well, sometimes, sometimes it's a grace that we're told to love God not only with all our heart, but to love Him with our mind. To say, it doesn't matter what I feel at this point. I know what I believe. And here's what I've been taught to believe. That because I'm in Christ and Christ is at the Father's side, that's where I belong. So if that's where you're at and you feel that way of not feeling particularly spotless or blameless, look to Christ. And with the eyes of faith, see him at the Father's right hand. Has the Father rejected Christ? By no means. Then he has not rejected you. And he never will reject you. The Father will never reject you unless you walk away and you reject him and he says, okay, if that's your choice. But as long as you are seeking to follow the Lord, no matter how many times you stumble and bumble and trip and fall and go astray along the way, if you come back time and again, if you repent and say, no, I want to be with God, He will not deny you any more than He could deny His own Son who is now at His side forever. So there was a, another section to this sermon as I was planning it, um, all about waiting on the Lord. It's a rich spiritual topic, um, and it's a lot of what the disciples were doing between Ascension and Pentecost. They, they were waiting on the Lord. But as I was in preparation uh, last night, I realized that's not going to make it in. 
So stay tuned. I'm preaching next week. Maybe we'll talk about waiting on the Lord next week. That's why the, the title in your bulletin is Wait Until You're Clothed. So wait until next week to wait until you're clothed. Um, and instead, I, I think there's something different that, that God wants to do as, as we come to close. Because I, I know it's true that we have a hard time believing that we belong at the Father's side. We have a hard time believing that the exact same love that God has for Jesus is the same love with which He looks upon you. And if you're still not sure about it, go read John 17, the end of the chapter. Let that just marinate in that for a while. But sometimes we struggle to get there. We just have a hard time believing. So what I'd like to do right now is give God a chance to bring some healing in that place for us. So you can close your eyes. I invite you to close your eyes. And if you're comfortable, put your hands out in front of you, just on your lap, like you would if you were to receive a gift. And I want to pray and minister a very simple and short prayer of the love of the Father. So, Father, I pray that you would now, for every heart that desires it, pour out your love. Build faith in us to believe that we belong at your side. Open the eyes of faith here in this sanctuary to see Christ in glory and to know that that is where we belong. And I pray, Lord, you would heal any places where there is a disconnect between your Father's heart beating for love for your children and what we receive and what we experience. Lord, I do pray that in time and in your way, you would give the experience of the fullness of your love. And when that experience is lacking, give us faith to believe. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you for your love. Continue to pour it out on us. We pray in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. The Lord says to you, you belong with me. I want you to hear that. And now what does that mean for you going out from here? You've received that word from the Father to you this morning. Bring that word to others. It might be that you tell them about the Father. You say, you know, your place is with the Father in heaven. It might be that if you're not ready and your relationship is not ready to go to that level of spiritual conversation, it may be this simple, that you let them know that they have a place in your life, that they belong with you. So here's the task this week, resurrection. Do whatever you can. Word of encouragement, small act of service, whatever you can do to let the people in your life that God has given to you to care for and to love, to let them know they belong to you and they belong with you. Let them know your love. Let them know the power of reconciliation. And if there is a relationship where you are not reconciled, do whatever it takes. Do whatever you can to be reconciled. And with your spouse, with your children, with your best friend, with your roommate, with your parents, the people, the coworkers, even if it's the neighbor down the street, you don't even have to necessarily go to them and, and make them your best friend all of a sudden, but just let them know you're so glad that they are your neighbor down the street. It's this simple. You just say things like, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad to know you. It was so good to talk to you today. It can be that simple. And let's begin here in resurrection. This morning, you want a sermon application that's so simple you can accomplish it before the service is even done and you don't have to remember it when you're at Panera trying to remember everything that happened? Here it is. At the peace, 
If you see somebody whose name you do not know, ask them their name. Tell one another, I'm so glad you're here. It's so good to meet you. Let us make everyone here know that they are welcome, that resurrection is a place where you belong. A little goes a long way. Let's open up our hearts to one another. Let's be warm to one another. It's so good when we do. And that happens when we first receive that fatherly love and that unity and that reconciliation we have with our God and Father. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.